This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're speaking about um, the kingdom of God and a kingdom, a, a priestly kingdom that God is establishing. Our theme scripture for the year is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6 verse 33 in the context of uh, a lot of people worrying, a lot of people being anxious. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The, um, the vaccine for stress, anxiety, and fear is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you go actually the opposite and not say, I'm going to be afraid. But this is the church, the time for the church of God to arise. And so even... Uh, while we're sitting here tonight, it's not just another gathering. It's not just an event. It's the people of God coming to worship Him and giving Him glory and say, Yes, Lord, we are here. doesn't matter what. We want to worship You. And so God is raising up a kingdom of priests. And we want to look at two people specifically in the Bible in Joshua 24. I want to pray quickly. Father, thank You, Holy Spirit, through Your Holy Spirit that You breathe life on Your Word, that Your Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. We're not here to play games with you tonight. We're sitting on holy ground. And speak to us, Lord. Reveal yourself to us. Father, we take every thought captive that is contrary to the will of God and to the thoughts of Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the teacher here tonight that breathed life. Knowledge of revelation, of counsel, of might, and the fear of the Lord. Establish, Lord, the fear of God in our hearts. Lord, we don't want to fear people. We want to fear you. I want to respect and honor you. I want to thank you, Lord, for your word that is eternal in Jesus' name. So in Joshua 24, verse 1, amen. Did I say amen? Ian, did I say amen? No, I didn't. Amen, but you said amen. Well, wonderful. Okay, Joshua 24, a scripture we all know very well. At the end of Joshua's life, listen to this. Joshua decides to get all the people together. Now, the two, two guys, Joshua and Caleb, they had a, the Bible says they had a different spirit. They had a different way of looking at things. There were other spies going into the promised land, and they said, like, whoa, look at these giants. Look at how big they are, how huge they are. And uh, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. We, we, we see ourselves as these minute little things. And yet when uh, Joshua and Caleb came out, it was different. They, they saw a land full of giants, but full of milk, honey, and bultong. Amen. Okay. Uh, all the Namibian people said, Amen. But then Joshua gathered all the tribes. So yeah, at the end of his life, he gathers these people, the tribes of Israel, to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You know, when you come in the morning and you have quiet time, or when you come to church, you're not coming here because of an event or because you just want to sing nice songs like Jason said. We're actually presenting ourselves to God. And this is what they did. They, it was part of their culture, the Jewish culture, to say, I'm coming to consecrate myself to the Lord. And this weekend on the AMP camp, all the students that were there, we just had some wonderful times in the presence of God. Just yeah, weeping before God and God is just so many things in so many people's lives. Because if you set yourself apart, if you present yourself to God, wow, you seek Him. You, you're gonna, those who diligently seek Him, Scripture says you will find Him. 
You know, seek, ask, knock. It's part of the kingdom is to seek the Lord. And it's not like the Lord is just going to show himself to you. He hides himself in mysteries. And the more you seek, the more you're going to find. The more you grow, the more you're going to want to grow. The more you're going to be hungry, the more you are going to grow in hunger. You know, some people say like, oh, I don't like reading the Bible. Well, simply because you're filling your life with a lot of other nonsense. But the more you read the Bible, the more you're going to want to read the Bible. Because you determine your hunger. You determine your desires. You determine your taste buds. You know, if you're going to eat junk food all the time, you know, chunda. You know, you're going to start craving junk food. But the more you eat, you know, I um, had in December, I had COVID for three days and I, and I um, lost my, my um, smell and my taste. I ate vegetables for the next three years, those three days. Because you, if you lose your taste, you can't taste anything, you know. It's like you, you really, I don't like vegetables, you know. Hallelujah. But um, any greeny people, yeah. Lord forgive you. But so... Um, yeah, so, uh, but, but I was, I, I decided that day because nothing, it tasted like nothing, you know, it was just like, whether it was, and I actually bought this expensive piece of steak from Sierras, you know, and I thought like, and I'm, I was looking forward for, to it like for two months, and then we bride it, we put it on, and it suddenly realized like it tastes like nothing, it tastes like, like bread, vegetables, I could, I could, I try to imagine, you know, that it was like good, but it was just like, Nothing. So I decided the next day, just eat vegetables for three days. Get your capacity full for the whole year. So now I'm not eating vegetables the rest of the year. I mean, I just ate vegetables morning for breakfast, everything. It is, I'm finished now. Hallelujah. So don't offer me anything, especially Brussels sprouts. Have anybody farming with Brussels sprouts? Okay, hallelujah. We, we had, uh, we, I stayed on a farm and there were people next door that, that formed with Brussels sprouts. It's these little small green stuff. Have you ever tasted Brussels sprouts? You get them in their mouth, then you get that taste, and then you try to get them down. It just doesn't work. They go halfway, and then they get stuck there. Those little green ones, have you ever eaten it? It's like a cabbage in a hole. Chris, did it all eat? But in any case, so they're in the States. But so, so here Joshua kills everyone. So I'm calling everyone here tonight to present yourself to God. That's what we do when we come to God. And now at the end, you must read all the verses there, but I'm going to take the last two verses. Now, therefore, this is what Joshua says to them. All the tribes, all the leaders, all the people, he says, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Same word, worship. Worship the Lord. But he gives us a couple of keys. How do we do that? He says, you have to start with the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, in the modern day church, people never speak about the fear of God. They, they sort of like, hey, you're a good guy and I'm a good guy and be a better Christian. But the fear of God means that I put God in his right place in my life. He's not my surf buddy. He's not my genie that I pull out on, you know, maybe 10 minutes a morning. He's, he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And if we don't have the fear of God, we will have the fear of man in our lives. We will try to please people all the time. But if you see who God is, yeah, for the first couple of million years in heaven, you're just going to say, wow. I think that's the word that's going to be used the most. Wow. Let's practice it a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow, wow. You, some of you are really good at that, you know. 
Wow, yeah? But he says, okay, so the first thing he says is fear the Lord. The second thing he says, serve him in a specific way, in sincerity and with truth. Say sincerity and truth. Sincerity is the same way as, as childlikeness or purity. To be pure before God. Matthew 5 says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And so the devil is trying to, especially with the younger generation, all of us that are under the age of 23, he's trying to rob us from our purity through sexual stuff, through sensual stuff, through, he's trying to entertain us with worldly things. But what is at is at the purity of your heart. He's trying to rob you to make everything that God uses as intimacy as cheap. Just a... Come and sleep with me. Oh, oh, come and do that. Everything, he makes the, the beautiful things of God, the beauty of God cheap. And that's why Joshua, at the end of his life, sort of gives us a couple of keys as he calls everyone to account. And he says, fear God. Serve him. Worship him. But you cannot just worship him because it's an emotion. You have to worship him out of a pure heart. And you have to worship him in truth. You see, if you don't, Worship God as to for who He is, then most of your worship songs would be an emotional thing. We said it on the camp, but you know, most of our songs today is like, is about the needs of people. Say, hey, He's a good, good Father. That's who He is. And those, those are beautiful songs. But if I read Scripture, not one of the songs in Revelations is about the need of people. The angels doesn't sing like, Oh, Lord, have you recognized JP's needs? How amazing are you as a father towards JP or Mike? All they're singing is what they see. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. You see, when you see him, you'll respond to him. Then worship isn't about you. And that's why you need truth. You know, in uh, John chapter 4, this woman at the well, she comes to Jesus. She says, like, who are you? And, they, you know, he doesn't come with a water pot. Eventually, she walks away because she was in adulterous relationships. But Jesus says to her, if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. And then a couple of verses later, he says, those who worship must worship me in spirit and in truth. Say spirit and in truth. So verse 15, Joshua goes on. He says, well, fear God, worship him in a specific way with purity of heart, but in truth. And then verse 15, he says, and if it seems evil to you, serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve and worship the Lord. It's amazing when you say that at the end of your life. For so me and my house, me and this generation, we're going to serve the Lord. Me and the generations after me, we're going to serve the Lord. Because I've discovered who He is. And so He says, if you worship Him and you know the fear of God, and you worship Him from a pure heart in sincerity and in truth, there's one thing you have to do, is you have to choose who you're going to serve. You know, when you go to India, I said it on the camp, when you go to India, there's a lot of idols. You know, we went there to the starting place of the Ganges River, which is the Holy River. 
of, of, you know, sort of the start of Hinduism and Buddhism, different religions. And when you travel up these rivers, up into the mountains in India, there's so many temples on the riverbeds, you know, massive temples and millions of people go to these temples. So when you go to, to India, you realize like, whoa, there's a lot of idol worship here. There's a lot of temples. There's everything. You know, the, the Hindu faith has got more than 4 million gods that they worship. They worship trees and cows and dogs and any, anything. They just worship anything, you know. It's a, they're like three mainstreams of the Hindu faith, but they just worship anything. And you, you're sort of, sort of shocked when you get there. And I remember one day, we were in, I think it was 2003, traveling up to the Ganges and um, at the beginning of this river. And so we're traveling. And I was sort of shocked by all the idols and the worship and the stuff that people were doing because millions of people sort of go up to this source of the Ganges River. And as we're traveling up there, the Holy Spirit said to me something. He said, you know, here you can see the idols, but in the West, the idols are hidden. And they're much bigger. They're the idols in our hearts. They're huge. It's the idols of money, of fame, of pride, of success, of stuff that people will destroy. So many other people around them. Stellenbosch is full of idols. There's just no temples. The temples have been built in the hearts of people. And this is what Joshua says. He says, if you want to be a worshiper, <laughs> whoa. You need to decide who you're going to worship. And you need to let go of the idols in your heart. You need to say no to those things that we hold on to. An idol is something very simple. It's anything you place your identity in that is not in Jesus Christ first. Anything you derive your identity from. Anything you worship that you say, I, my degree, that, that's more important than worshiping Jesus. Or my, my friends are more worship. Or my school. <laughs> yeah? You. And idols of the heart is very, very tough. Maybe it's, maybe it's your, your, your gym program. Maybe it's your running on the mountains. Maybe it's going your surfing program. Maybe, maybe it's your cycling. There's a lot of people that place a lot of stuff above the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be very honest with you. This is going to be maybe a bit tough, but I need to speak it in truth because I love you. But you know what? How does Jesus reflect in your schedule? Come on. No, 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 but, you know, the average American spends two minutes a day reading scripture and praying. And four hours watching television and series. So who's your Lord? No, no, but, but Jesus, I have great intention to be your child. Well, sorry. Maybe not. Oh. <gasps> So some people plan already for the December holidays, but what are you planning around the kingdom of God? Now, people don't like that when I say that, but that means that there's a lot of idols in our hearts that we rather worship because what you put your effort into becomes your idol. What you worship, what you serve. Sorry, I'm, I'm a bit tough on us tonight, am I? Or am I just speaking? You mustn't say amen, you must say, ouch, oh, okay, but hallelujah, let's go on. So... But there's these beautiful pictures in Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 2 where God says He wants to fill His people and starts with you and me with 
glory. In glory, the word for glory is the word kabot, the presence of God. Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 2. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Jesus said that uses that same word of the presence of God, the weight of God's presence. God wants to come into your life, and he wants to manifest himself to you. You know, there's two ways God's presence will be in your life. The one is his his omnipresence. He's everywhere. You don't need to feel that presence. He's Emmanuel with you every day. But then there's God's manifest presence. where there's a, It's almost like tangible. It's almost like it changes your life. It brings you into an encounter with God. And that's why it's so important that we come together to worship, that you don't forsake the assembling of the saints. Because there's something different when we worship together. Not just here at church, but in your course as residents and as friends or at the bride just take out a guitar and start to worship God because there's the manifest presence of God when God's people comes together and gives him what is due the honor the glory to him Jesus said that the glory which you father gave me I've given to them all who have received you that's what he means and that there may be one just as we are one it's beautiful and so God promised that in the last days there's a there's amazing promises in the Bible Quickly turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm checking that smile again. I'm checking that smile. (laughs) I'm just giving you a lot of scripture tonight because it's scripture that will change your life. There's this one key that God gives, and the Bible talks about the keys of David. Say the keys of David. That the generations that come will be a worshiping generation. But God said here in Amos, this small little prophet in the Old Testament, he says, On that day, the last days, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. In Acts chapter 15, when the Holy Spirit is poured out and God begins to move, they quote that same scripture out of Amos. It says, The tabernacle of David will be restored. And so you will see these things in the Old Testament. I'm not going to get too technical about these different tabernacles that was erected. And I sort of put it there on the slides, but there was the tabernacle of Moses, and then there was the tabernacle of David. And, and it's very, I'm not going to get too technical, but Moses' tab- tabernacle had these, had these systems in, you know, in it, like the outer court, the furnishing, the holy place. The, uh, there was a veil that only the whole, uh, priest could go in. There was no ark of God. There was daily animal sacrifices, company of priests, and there were few people allowed into this temple this tabernacle but David's tabernacle the second one that he erected there was none of those things it wasn't like formal structures but the one thing that made it very different than the other tabernacles was the ark of God there was spiritual sacrifices there were a lot of different priests and there was a great company of worshipers in that tabernacle the at the at the middle or the center of that temple was worship Because David understood something. And if you look at scripture so many times, God said, David is a man after my own heart. He wasn't perfect. He messed up a lot. He made a lot of mistakes. But God said he served his generation. And David wrote a lot of these Psalms, going to write them, you know, and going to go and read them and go and study the Psalms. Because sometimes you would see David speak to his own soul and say, be still my soul and know that he is God, you know. Sometimes he would make these declarations over his life because David was truly a worshiper at heart. 
David understood who God was, and that's why sometimes you would somehow go into the temple and eat of the bread, and then people would say, oh, David, you're going to die, you know. But David understood something. Hey, David. Huh? David understood something of that prophetic worship, that generation that God would raise up. Listen to this in Psalm 27, verse 4. How David has something that he sort of teaches us or he shows us. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the benefits of God, the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. You can, you can almost see the, the desire the thirst, the hunger that he had for the presence of God. And so many times in his life, you know, there's a, there's a beautiful story that you can go and read. I want to just, I want us to catch up on the last part of that story. In Second uh, Samuel 6, verse 17 onwards, you can read. I'm going to just read from verse 20. And this is when David returns and the, the Ark of the Covenant was this, this Ark that was brought back to the people of God that sort of represented the presence of God. And so there's this moment when this, the presence of God comes back to Israel. Israel was blessed, the nation was blessed, but David was weeping, just like somebody like Nehemiah. They understood that the most important thing was God's presence in their lives. And let me tell you that that is the most important thing that you can have, is God speaking to you, the presence of God in your life. And this is what he says, Listen to this. And then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, because you can see this picture between David and Saul. Saul was this grand, beautiful, big guy, full of, you know, the people chose Saul because he was great. But David was this little shorty, spritter. What is spritter? Sprites. Okay. I don't know what spritter is in English, you know. But he was, huh? Freckles. Sprites sounds just, just sounds better, but in any case, you know, he had these freckles. He was a, like a, probably a red hair like Chris here, you know, um, but just I'm picking on Chris. But um, the amazing thing is he was, you know, he wasn't even chosen when the other brothers were all lined up. When Samuel came, they, you know, Samuel, the dad didn't say like, yeah, that David is one of them. But David was probably rejected. He was, he was, he was not, not first first in the class he wasn't he wasn't the you know head boy but God saw something in his heart and and so Saul was quite different because the people chose Saul the people wanted that because that's what we do we look at the outward but God looks at their heart I mean God chooses the things in your heart and there's some of you that have got really pure hearts and uh, you're tough on yourself but you need to say to God God teach me what it means to worship and so Listen to this, and this is now his wife, when he comes back, this is what she says. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of the servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to her, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will even be more undignified than this, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children. She was barren, 
to the day of her death. Because she was standing up there in the room and David came back. And so David just blew it. David just went ballistic. He was just running up and down and he took off his kingly robes. He threw it on the ground and he put on priestly robes. Some people say he danced naked, but he didn't dance naked. He would just, he had one little thing over uh, that the priests wore and he started to just worship God. And he went in between the people and he just worshiped, you know. And now his wife stands up there and she says like, Oh, you just lost it. You just shamed the kingly people. You just lost it completely. And she goes off on him. And then he says to her, but do you know what? I'm going to become more undignified than this. I'm going to play music to the Lord because it's not for the people. It's not the songs we're singing. It's for God. And you're missing the whole point, he says to her. But you see, a lot of people, and even, and I'm going to say it with respect, there's a lot of Christians that are barren in their lives. They cannot reproduce. Become that, because they become religious with God. They become just like the wife of David. Because the moment when God begins to move, then they're always criticizing. They're always saying like, oh, have you noticed? Those people, they're very undignified before God. Now, I have respect for people. You know, the first time when I came into a church like this was then Paul in, I was grade nine. You know, one of my friends took me with and we sort of sneaked out. And then the people in front of me lifted up their hands. Now, oh my God, I thought this is it. This is the end of my life. There was this curtain at the back, this red curtain. I thought like they slaughtered people behind the curtain. I still prayed to God. I said, God, please take me alive out of this place and I will worship you and serve you for the rest of my life. Just take me out because I really thought I'm next. I'm the offering for the evening behind the curtain. Yeah, that's how conservative I was. Just because tradition, I wasn't used to lifting up my hands. But you know, you can even lift up your hands. You can jump up and down and sing all the nice songs, but your heart can still be cold and far from God. And see, so many Christians, they're barren in their lives because they've never allowed God to show His heart and begin to move into your heart and change and transform your heart. Because those who worship God must worship Him from a pure heart. And it's only Jesus that can purify your heart. Maybe you're here tonight and you've messed up in your own purity. Maybe you're here tonight and you're stuck in pornography. And you just realize this, it brings so much shame in my life. God wants to set you free. He wants to teach you what it means to worship Him. He wants to show you the, the fullness because out of that purity comes the real presence of God. I shared the story this morning, but you know, we were um, going up into North Africa and sitting in Egypt and waiting for this that was part of the revival and um, we went from one coffee shop to another just because they were checking out if they were not being followed and we were sitting at the back of this coffee shop and as we were sitting I noticed I realized because we were about six guys I knew when this uncle was walking into the coffee shop I knew it because the presence of God was on his life I never felt it so tangible I realized like wow this man actually, God feels welcome in his life, in every part of his life. Not just on a Sunday and a Wednesday. He's a true worshiper. 
we had a conversation a bit while, and I just wanted to cry all the time. I'm, I am a bit of an emotional guy, but not that emotional, you know. I, I, I was sitting there, and I was like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, you know, so guys always pretend as if it's hay fever, but that day I couldn't. I just took out the snot, and I was just snot all over the place, snowy going this way and that way. And I was just like, I couldn't understand because it wasn't what the guy was saying, but it was the impact of who he was because I realized he's been with Jesus. Isn't that what they say in Acts chapter 4? When those disciples came and the miracles and the guy who did the miracle, they did some miracles and the people, the Bible says, they marveled and realized that the disciples have been with Jesus. Because that's what the presence of God begins to do in your life. And so here we're sitting with this uncle and I'm asking him like, sure, can, can, how can we help you as the church in the Middle East? And he says, please, please, don't send missionaries here don't tell your people in the west to come because you will contaminate what god is doing in the purity of our hearts because you guys preach a diluted gospel in the west then he started to talk about how they would fill stadiums with 10 to 14 year olds 40,000 kids at a time under the banner of soccer but they will fast and pray for three days through the night in Cairo for revival in the Middle East. People that have learned, doesn't matter what cost, we're going to seek the face of Jesus. So I said to him, okay, okay we won't send missionaries, but uh, what can we pray for you? He says, pray that the church in the Middle East would embrace it's season of martyrdom with joy. He was one of five people. Four of his best friends were already martyred for the gospel. Six months later, after our conversation, he also died a martyr's death. He says, may my life be worthy of worshiping the king. You see, God is moving. But are you serving other idols? Am I serving other idols and we're just adding our culture to our Christianity? Because, you yeah, it's great to have all my socials, but I exclude Jesus. There are many churches today where Jesus is not welcome. Jesus is not holy. Jesus is not feared. Because we build the churches around what people feel and what people need and we make them like, wow, let's just make it an hour, in and out. Consumerism, let's go for it. But there will be no power. There will be no presence. Because people may feel welcome, but the question is, does God feel welcome? And I should ask that question about myself all the time. God, do you feel welcome in my home? Do you feel welcome in my studies? Oh, he wants to come. That's why Joshua made such a profound statement. That's why God is raising up a generation of worshipers, and I'm seeing many of them. People that are not afraid to say Jesus is their Lord. People that are not afraid to proclaim. Listen to what Peter says. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may do what? Proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now 
you have obtained mercy. Are we talking about perfection? No, we're talking about hunger. We're talking about a thirst. And you have to decide what you're going to fill your life with. Yes, you must study. That's so important. And yes, you must do your socials and it's great. But is Jesus really number one? Sure. No, no, see, that's too tough, you know. I'm young, I want to enjoy my life. And then when I'm 40, you know, because the Christian is really for old people, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm more, more focused on getting a husband now. <laughs> more focused on getting a, 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 a wife right now. But don't worry, here in the church, we have an arranged marriage club. It's under that tree after the service. Just go there and follow. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. But um, that's why you should have been on Amp Camp. Lots of people get, you know, married in, or no, those connected in Amp Camp. But in any case, so just a joke, just a joke. You know, some of you are a bit tense. <clears throat> so tonight is not a condemnation. Tonight is an invitation to come and worship God. And the Lord just woke me up in this week and he said, tell my people, just like Joshua did. Who will you serve? Who will you worship? Choose. You know, on this campus, you're either radical for Jesus or you're radical for the world. There's a massive divide coming. And I studied here two or three years ago. Maybe add a zero. Everybody were Christian. If you ask people, oh, I'm a Christian. Today, it's not like that anymore. There's lots of people that say they're Christian, but they're not living Christianity anymore. There's a lot of people that go to church, but it doesn't mean they have a biblical worldview and they actually read the Bible as if it should change them and they should get to know God. We read the Bible many times just to please ourselves or please our conscience. But God isn't here to make good people better people. God takes people out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were dead and now you're alive. There's, there's, there's no in-between. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. There's, there's just no in-between. You're either hot or you're cold. And you have to choose. Yeah, but that's a bit tough. But when you choose, there's grace for you to do what God has called you to do. When you choose, the moment when you say yes, like Joshua said to all the people, come, choose, life or death. Choose. Are you going to fear God? Are you going to worship Him? Where your whole life is devoted to the cause of Christ. To make Him great. To show His glory in the earth. Sure. There is no greater privilege than God choose man and woman, ordinary people, to represent Him. And say, I want you to be a carrier of my presence. Because the greatest, the hope of glory is Christ in us. The fact that God comes to dwell inside of you and He makes now His temple not outside in buildings anymore. He makes it in your heart. And He says, I want to live there. And now your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you say, here am I, Lord, then He says, that body belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You can't just eat what you want and do what you want with that body anymore. Because when you say he's Lord of your life, it means he's curious. He's the owner, the one who possesses, the one who has taken control. And you and I are going to give control either to other people, opinion of other people, even our parents. Or we're going to give over control to the Lordship of Jesus. Wow. 
but who will you worship? Because sorry, your name is not going to be in heaven. <laughs> sorry, my name or no other pastor's name is going to be in heaven. Mentioned only one name, the name of Jesus. Will you stand with me tonight? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.